It is the Everything is Marketing Podcast. My name is Eric Hulkern. Hope you're having a wonderful, I believe it is Wednesday, wonderful Wednesday morning. we got a lot of stuff to talk about, so let's get in to the podcast. Marketers ruin everything. Welcome to the Everything is Marketing Podcast. What I don't want to do is to pretend this is show number one. What would the hero of your life's movie do right now? Do that. Do those things. It is the Everything is Marketing podcast. My name is Eric Hulkren, uh, and we are doing this one live on Periscope, so I might take some questions from Periscope if they've got any questions while we are doing this. Today, we're going to talk about Amazon. We're also going to talk a little bit about Snapchat. They're making uh, continued changes to the platform that I think are very interesting. And we will talk about your hatred for hearts on Twitter as they made that change yesterday. They switched from stars to hearts, and lots of people are angry about the hearts uh, for a similar reason that they were angry about like on Facebook, right? So Mark Zuckerberg and those guys were talking about how they wanted to uh, have a dislike button, right? So your ability, so when a pet dies, you don't have to like the fact that the pet died. You can have some sort of empathy. So they rolled out this dislike uh, bunch of emojis that you can uh, say that you're sad, you feel sorry, uh, yay, love, those sorts of things. This is a, a similar view, right? But this is the same reason that people are angry. People are angry that now they actually have to have some sort of uh, emotion uh, about a tweet or what's going on on Periscope. So right now on Periscope, people are either hearting this broadcast or not hearting this broadcast. And some people think those hearts are highly coveted. So if your Periscope sucks, they're not going to heart as much as, as they would. And that same stuff is translating over to Twitter where people are saying, look... I would favorite a tweet that I thought was okay, but heart really seems like I'm invested. And so maybe I won't heart as many tweets as I would star or favorite if the star was still a thing. But they are switching this specifically because of Periscope so that the branding matches. So the, the thing that you like on Periscope shows up as a heart. So the thing that you like on Twitter also needs to be a heart. That is why they're doing that. And that's why the switch. It shows that they are paying attention. And Jack Dorsey and the team are making some moves to align the branding and what they're really trying to do. And this is why they ran the TV commercial during the World Series and continue to run that TV commercial. Um, they are trying to get mainstream America to understand understand how Twitter works. There's a problem with understanding how Twitter works. When you look at Facebook, you see that your mother is on there and maybe uh, your grandmother is on there if you're, you're of a certain age and your grandmother is still able to use technology. Uh, mine, Lord rest their souls, are not around to play around on Facebook, but yours might be. Likely, if they're playing around with on Facebook, they are not playing around on Twitter because it doesn't really make a lot of sense for them. So Twitter needs to invent a platform or update the platform in a way that people can jump in and just start consuming things. And I, I think for the casual user, the mainstream user, the idea of a heart versus star is easier to understand, especially if they start hearing people talk about Periscope and they watch a Periscope broadcast and they see in the lower right-hand corner that there's a whole bunch of hearts going up and down and up and down and up and down. They will understand that when they then go to Twitter, when you heart something, it shows that you, you are liking what that person is doing. And it's a little bit easier to understand because the lexicon, the language on Twitter is not as user-friendly as it is, let's say, on Facebook or LinkedIn or even Instagram, right? A picture is really easy to understand, which is why Instagram is growing as fast as it has and why Twitter, as we've talked about, 
has stalled as a user base. The other uh, couple things we want to talk about today uh, before we get on with the rest of our Wednesday is yesterday, Amazon opened their very first retail store, their physical brick and mortar store. They did it in Seattle. And this is a really, really interesting play uh, because they're doing a couple things that I find really, really fascinating because I still like the idea of going into a bookstore. Yeah, there are many opportunities where I go into a bookstore and the book that I'm looking for is not there. And that is in fact frustrating because I do know that Amazon would have it and depending on what city you live in, not here in Grand Rapids, but depending on what city you live in, they would deliver that to your house in a matter of an hour if they're in one of those cities where they can do hour delivery. So the trip to the bookstore seems a little bit moot. However, what they're doing in this physical space, I think, is really interesting. It's especially interesting when you think back 20 years when Amazon started. The idea was they were only going to sell books. They were a book retailer and then they became this giant retailing king of all retail that most bookstores are scared of and most bookstores should take a good look at what they're doing with this retail space and share in that fear because they've got 6,000 they're gonna have 6,000 books in this single store Um, and that may not sound like a lot to you or it may sound like a lot if you're in the book industry I don't actually know for example a the difference between that number of books and let's say what happens at a Barnes and Noble. I have no perspective on that, but it sounds like a lot of books. What's fascinating is the reams of data that they're getting from Amazon to make choices on those books because the number one problem with a bookstore, and if you're a fan of Gary Vaynerchuk, and I know some people that watch this uh, uh, Periscope and listen to this podcast are fans of Gary Vaynerchuk, long, long time ago when people would ask him these questions about retail spaces, he would talk about bookstore, bookstore specifically and how they needed to retrofit their spaces to do other things like live performances or coffee shops or some other thing because there's so much spoilage. There's so many books that go unsold. Amazon likely might have the secret sauce to figuring this out because they have all of the data to show what you're actually buying. So this store is only stocked with things that are on the bestseller list and things that Amazon clients have already liked, have already recommended, have already bought in droves. The other interesting thing about this place is when you go into a typical bookstore, when you go into your Barnes & Noble, there are books that pay for the spaces so that their uh, cover faces out and then everybody else is spying out. So you've got to kind of go like you would in a library. It's not a really great user experience when you're looking for a book. Amazon is having every single one of their books replicate the experience you have when you're on Amazon.com. So every single book in this Amazon physical bookstore faces out. So you see the cover just like you would when you're trolling through uh, and look, you know, you pick book one and it goes, you should recommend these eight books. All of them are cover out, right? They don't show you the spine online. They show you the cover. So they're going to do the same thing there. And the just reams of data that they are getting from customers online and being able to use that in a physical store, this is something that I'm really interested to, to watch and see what the difference is in how people use a bookstore like that, a bookstore that's using digital data, reams of customer data to create a physical experience that should mirror what's already in your head. So that, that creepy feeling that you get from Amazon, imagine if that happened in real life. And by that, I mean, so you click on, we're doing a podcast, right? So we click on a mic stand and then it goes, oh, well, uh, people like you that bought this mic stand also bought these other things for podcasting. And people that bought these other things for podcasting also liked this video game or this book or this record, or whatever. So it it sort of starts to read your mind. If a physical store is able to start to read your mind, that becomes a really interesting experience for the customer and something that I want to uh, pay very, very close attention to. Finally, today, I want to talk about Snapchat. If over the weekend you were on Snapchat on Halloween, and I, I told you you should check it out because they were doing some really, really cool things, one of the cooler things that they were doing is the first lens that they were able to sell. I was telling you all month long in October that they were going to sell these lenses 
two partners that wanted to buy them. The first one to buy it was the Peanuts movie for $750,000 because Halloween was a uh, holiday and that was going to be an upcharge day. They bought it, and if you used it, um, you not only got to take advantage of the lens with Peanuts characters, but you were able to vomit candy corn out of your mouth like the, uh, the beloved rainbow that everybody liked when the lenses uh, launched. That was happening, and at the same time last week, they uh, also started a Discovery Channel that was essentially an advertising channel. So there was a Discovery Channel for uh, the new James Bond movie, which was all sorts of content about the James Bond movie, but in essence was native or sponsored content, right? It was paid for so that it put it in your feed and you would look at it and get excited about the movie. These are interesting plays that Discover and Snapchat as a whole are using the digital space to advertise. They're also making sure that they keep very stringent rules on who can advertise and what they can advertise and how many times they can advertise because they want to maintain the user experience because they're still in growth mode. There's only 100 million active users. That is not even close to what Facebook has. And what's important to note is that there's actually more content being exchanged and created on Snapchat than if you combine Facebook and Instagram together. However, uh, the end goal is, of course, to monetize that. And the best way to monetize that is to scale it. And the best way to scale it is to figure out a way, and this is to go back to what we were talking about with Twitter a couple minutes ago, figure out a way to scale the experience so the user experience stays the same, but new people come in to try it. Both of those platforms, Twitter and Snapchat, have a unique problem in that their platforms are not really natively easy to understand. With Snapchat's up and down, uh, left and right, and all over the place, it's not as easy to understand as you go to Facebook, you scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll, then you see the content, you interact with the content, then you scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. Twitter with the same thing. Well, what's a retweet? Why do I put a period before the ampersand, before the username so that everybody can... Like, those languages are barriers to entry for mainstream people to jump in. So Snapchat being very, very, very diligent about what they do on the ad platform so that they keep the user experience what the user experience is. Because one of the things that we talked about with this ephemerality and people wanting to go to Snapchat because isn't everything isn't saved forever, well, they want to go there because everything isn't saved forever and it's a fun place to play around. They don't want to go there when it becomes this haven for advertising that all the stuff that they wanted to do is now a native ad. And Snapchat is obviously well aware of that and being very, very particular. The rest of this week breaks out like this. Uh, I am going to be talking to two guys that were guests on the Be Less Typical podcast because they're doing some amazing stuff with Snapchat and amazing stuff with uh, Periscope, which we are doing the podcast right now on Periscope. So hello to the Periscope fans. They are doing amazing stuff on those two platforms, and I want to talk about that, and I want to talk about that in two ways. One, uh, what are they doing and, and how can you use it? And two, what did they see? What about those two platforms? Did they go do that as opposed to the natural ones where you go, well, I'm, I'm going to put cars on Instagram, right? Pictures of cars on Instagram. That's a win, right? These two guys went in a different direction. I want to talk to them about that. And as always, if you want to get at me, eric at mlive.com or on Twitter at polymath and vine, P-O-L-Y-M-A-T-H-A-N-D-V-I-N-E. Have an amazing day. We will talk tomorrow.